0: Welcome to another edition of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night. Andrew Boy on social media at MMALOTN. This week, we're going over a uh, barn burner of a fight between uh, Holly Holm and Catlin Vieira. Bantamweight main event here for UFC Vegas 55. A couple other interesting fights sprinkled out throughout the card, but... All eyes will obviously be on the main event here with the Bantamweights. We'll see if Holly Holm can continue this winning streak that she's on, turning away contender after contender. This will be fresh off her win over, uh, well, I guess not fresh, considering it's almost a year and a half since the last time we saw her on the cage. But she is uh, coming off that win over Irene Aldana, where she was able to beat her up over 25 minutes, pretty much winning every single round on every judges scorecard, showing that she still has what it takes to compete at a pretty high level. But we still got 10 other fights to go through as well. So I don't want to waste too much time here. Before we do get into them, though, let's go over the betting recap because your boy's on fire right now. You know, uh, for event or I should say four weekend winning streak. I got to get back to the weekends rather than just the events here because there was a little slip up on Bellator and PFL. Uh, so we'll just quickly start off on that PFL. Or sorry, I had a PFL Bellator parlay for you guys. 1.25 units at minus 125. Eating the there on two women's fights. Truly believe that it was uh, going to be an easy one for me. But I did learn a, a quick lesson there in recency bias. But we'll start off on the Chelsea Chandler side. She was able to go out there and win a 29-28 decision victory over Courtney King. Stuff or things did start to get a little... Uh, iffy in that second round but chandler uh pushes through and ends up uh having a big third round to get her that victory so she the first leg the second leg was on bellator which unfortunately crashed here where i had denise keel holds to beat uh kana watanabe or watanabe i should say and that uh, messes up the parlay there now i am absolutely devastated and pissed off at myself for getting into the recency bias things or uh, part of things here right um I've, I've cashed on Watanabe in the past, especially against Alejandra Lara. I know that she doesn't have much of a striking game, but her ground game is very difficult to deal with. And I let the performance that she had against Liz Carmouche really get to me, but coupled that in with the performance that Denise Keelholz had against Juliana Velasquez. Um, I, I really thought that Keelholz made the improvements that she needed to in the grappling department to deal with what Watanabe. Was going to bring to the table here but even i should have known that minus 260 was way too out of the line considering how uh live kind of could have been and the thing that i'm kicking myself for even more is the fact that finding out that the watanabe subline was like minus or sorry plus 1000 plus 1400 which would have been a i'm not a hedge kind of guy at all but i would have hedged on that for sure even 0.1 unit there which would have covered the uh the parlay price here and even more. Um but uh, most of my books don't offer props on on Bell Tour, hence why I didn't end up really looking too much into it. But man, I would have seeked out a, a bookie to get me some money down on that submission prop because that line was egregiously uh, mispriced and it ended up paying off. So it's always the ones that you miss that always uh, end up hitting. but uh, yeah, uh, minus 1.25 units on the key holds thing, very unfortunate. Beth, it looked like it was good as soon as she landed that first shot, but she started to mix it up a little bit too much with Watanabe on the ground, and uh, unfortunately, um, she paid for it, so uh, minus 1.25 units there. Luckily ufc was still there to save the weekend we still end up cashing for the weekend uh, we will start off with the lock of the night play i guess i had four units on the under two and a half in louis Smoka and louis Smoke and davy grant of course they make your boy sweat it out a little bit more than he should have but davy grant still ends up going out there and getting the early third round finish to help us help us cash that under two and a half play i was four units at minus 164 so that catches for plus 2.44 units we'll go on to the next win which was Catelyn and my gal Catelyn Chukagin going out there and doing what she does. Close fight. Say what you want about uh, the control time that Amanda Hebus was able to get in the first and second rounds. I thought Chukagin did way more damage than Hebus and deserved that victory. Now, the judges seem to disagree with me as pretty much all of them scored that first round for Amanda Hebus. I thought it should have been rounds one and two for Chukagin. Is what it is. We still end up getting the win. But, uh, yeah, Chukagin ever the veteran going out there and getting the dub three units at minus 172 caches for plus 1.74 units and then lastly uh small loss here on the main event two units at minus 198 on alexander rakic man goes out there and tears his acl what can you say i don't know how how much more i can really say i'm not going to call it a super bad beat like it was still a competitive fight we still want to see how that fight would have played out had it gone another three rounds or two and a half rounds i believe but Rakic suffers an ACL injury. I believe he tweaked it in training. He said three weeks prior, still decided to take the fight and uh, ended up paying for it here. So minus two units there, plus 2.18 units on the UFC. All in all, I believe it was plus point, just under a unit of profit for the weekend, which still makes it a, a profitable weekend. So that's four straight winning weekends. We're trying to make it five straight here with UFC Vegas 55, which will take us into a week off as there is no UFC event next week. I don't believe that there's a PFL or Bellator next week either. So uh, MMA fans, make sure you guys uh, keep it together. Yeah, I mean, don't go out there ground and pounding other people and trying to, you know, make it an entertaining weekend for yourself. Stay, just, just chill, just chill. You can be a human for one weekend. All right. All right. uh quick shout outs to the sponsors here obviously uh cool bet. make sure you use the gut make sure you guys use the promo code uh mma two and they'll match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks they are a great bookie that i uh, is actually based here out of toronto uh hence why i like to fuck with them uh they let you parlay props which is something that a lot of degenerates like to do um and, and they have uh you know sometimes they're a little bit slow with updating their mma lines as well which allows guys like us to kind of get in on them before they're able to move it uh so uh, another good reason to go out there and check out cool Bet. obviously a lot of great analytical tools for you to look back on your past bets and see your trends see all the all the things that you're good at the things that you're not good at and then making the appropriate adjustments so that you can turn yourself into a winning better make sure you guys check out cool Bet, promo code mmalotn2 the match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks secondly Starts with the Patreon, my own thing. The reason or one of the reasons I am able to do this thing full time. Appreciate everybody that's already signed up. The link is in the description below. You guys get my best bets and props article. You guys get a great Discord community as well. Um, I have kind of hopped off on the prize picks because now it's legal in Ontario, so I can't even bet it at all or use it at all. Um, So I'm looking at something to kind of replace that. And I have a couple of things in mind that I'm going to be looking to add. But uh, again, you guys get my early looks on there and a bunch of other great things. So again, five bucks a month. It's cheap as fuck let's just put it that way again i'm i'm not claiming i'm the greatest and best handicapper out there or the best uh better out there but i know i know my reads are solid and uh you guys can see them in depth there right on the patreon for five bucks a month and then lastly uh make sure you guys check out thrive fantasy it's a new uh daily fantasy player props uh platform where you guys can pretty much bet um It's like DraftKings style, but it's for props. So you can choose over 100 significant strikes, and they have points attached to every single one, and you choose about six of them. I believe they give you two alternates as well in in case there's like a last-minute change or a last-minute dropout, as we've been having over the last several weeks. Uh, And uh, yeah, you you put up your lineup against everybody else's lineup, and if you cash the most, uh, you walk home with the prize money or a piece of the prize money. So it's a very interesting... Uh, spin that they have on daily fantasy it's thrive fantasy make sure you guys use promo code lock and uh, i believe you'll get free tokens to enter a couple of their uh of their uh, of their pools as well so make sure you guys go check that out shout out to thrive fantasy all right now that we got all the all the builds out of the way Let's get into the breakdowns that's what you guys are here for right let me see what uh, the chat is saying here real quick and then we'll uh get the show on the road jared Curdy in the chat saying war home i absolutely agree lou betcha in the chat appreciate you stopping by lou asking me to take my time so that i can watch the penalty shootout here uh for the europa league i'm not much of a soccer guy so boo-hoo lou i apologize glenn the banker in the chat appreciate you stopping by lou betcha saying your boy lock over your boy Anders. you know what it is uh dream saying Kiyohos almost put her out in the first minute yeah that's what i was kind of hoping for but yeah not not a good look again if i could do that over again i'd look into a little bit more and possibly bet the other side or at least bet the uh kana watanabe via submission there elijah One dream letting you guys know to keep your composure on the ufc off week i know you guys love watching people uh punch other people but uh we're not doing it next week lou bet you're saying i'm gonna pile drive my neighbor uh makes sense here, Jared Curry saying, go to Flying Knee, my family members, to feel something this Saturday. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I love you guys. All right. Michael Lurr asking, best dog. I haven't even broken down the fights yet. So let's get into it. Let's not waste too much more time. And you guys can figure out which dogs that I'm leaning on for this week. Speaking of dogs, kicking off the card, we got Elise Reed coming in at minus 165, going up against Sam Hughes, coming in at plus 145. You guys know I love me some women's MMA and you guys love or you guys know that I love even at, you know, this level of women's MMA where you're just like okay, they're not championship material, but there's still enough substance for me to go out there and and make a legitimate pick on this fight. And how can you not go with Sam Page in this fight, right? I know Sam Hughes doesn't really have the greatest reputation amongst the MMA fans, especially, you know, starting off her UFC career the way that she did, but i feel like when she is at her best she shows you know a much more complete mixed martial arts game than you're actually going to see from Elise Reed. Elise Reed comes from a taekwondo and karate background and you can see it in her striking style. She, you know, traverses the cage pretty well. She uses her in and out movement well. Her striking is, you know, it's decent. She'll obviously have the pure striking advantage in this fight. But in terms of a full-on game, i think Sam Hughes has her beat. Now, I don't think that Sam Hughes is this magnificent wrestler or grinder by any means, but I think she has enough in the tank to go out there and, you know, really make this a grindy type fight, whether it's pushing Elisa up against the cage, dragging her to the ground, having some successful top time. I don't expect her to Khabib her by any means, but I do think she'll have more success than what Corey McKenna was able to, and people are betting her at minus 220, which was crazy to me. I picked McKenna to win that fight don't get me wrong but I did say the best bet for that fight was the the underdog money on 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 Elise Reed like she is working on her get up game she's working on her takedown defense but that doesn't mean she still can't be taken down and i think overall we'll likely see the better game here from sam hughes she might eat some shots on the feet just as she did in the estella nunez fight but as the fight starts to drag on i think she'll get more successful in terms of pushing a street up against the cage having success there even dragging her to the ground and uh you know having some control time maybe landing some uh ground and pound from on top but i don't think it's going to be like a you know eight nine minutes of control time or anything like that but I I do think she'll have success on top. Now, I think the reason why people believe Elise Reed has such a deficiency on the map is because they see the fight that she had against Sajar Eubanks. And that's just a testament to the fact that Sajar Eubanks continuously gets underrated. Yes, she has a very abysmal record. And I guess that's, you know, it's justified in terms of people underrating her. But her style is is solid with her her grappling and her black belt in jujitsu. And when she has a decided advantage over her opponent in that realm, she can showcase the fact that she can get a finish, just like she did against Elise Reed that night. So just because Sajar Eubanks had tremendous success on the ground against Elise Reed, doesn't mean that Corey McKenna is going to have elite success, or doesn't mean that Sam Hughes is going to have elite success. It depends on the fight that you, or the fighter that you, um, that that you back. And I feel like backing Sam Hughes here at Underdog Money against Elise Reed is much better than backing Corey McKenna at Chalk against Elise Reed. So I, I'm going to go with Sam Hughes here. She will more than likely be my dog of the night as I think starting off the night with an underdog at plus 145 is not too bad of a, a way to go about it. But even the way that she matches up against her, uh, a volume, uh, complete mixed martial arts game, she will be more cognizant to go for grappling, to go for the clinch and try to hold Elise Reed in a in a certain position rather than letting Elise Reed glide around the cage and do what her technical striking or, or sorry, her Taekwondo kind of striking allows her to have success, right? That's how she beat Corey McKenna is just beating her to the punch and just being the more active and more efficient striker. Sam Hughes will have her success with the striking, but for her to be truly successful in this fight and get her hand raised, she get, she has to get the clinch going. She has to get the takedowns going. And I think she'll be able to do so. Watch the um watch the uh the the Sam Hughes versus Vanessa Demopoulos fight. Now I get it. Demopoulos is not a least read at all, but that performance, even though Sam Hughes lost that fight via inverted triangle, that's Sam Hughes at her best. Mixing in takedowns and mixing in her striking. She can do that and she can be a solid fighter. And I don't believe that she should be the underdog in the spot. She has way more tools than Elise Reed here. So give me a Sam Hughes, uh plus 145, not a bad look. Uh and even the decision line. I, I'd be surprised if she finishes finishes Elise Reed, but uh I I do think she'll do enough to just grind her out, win by decision. That's currently at plus 225 but even her money line at plus 145, not too bad of a look. All right, let's see if the chat has anything to say about this fight in particular. Um <laughs> Dream saying, I know who it is. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, Jared Curry saying best dog is Alfred, and he is right here beside me. So you damn you you know it. You know it. Fernbird saying can go with highs here. I'm assuming he means Hughes. We'll see. Michael Lehrer saying most on the other side. I think a lot of it is the recency bias as well, right? She went out there and, you know, went way past expectations in terms of defeating Corey McKenna, especially the way that she did. But in reality, Corey McKenna shouldn't have been that big of a favorite over her. Stubborn Mixing, fight goes to decision. I think that's a known, right? What is it here? Minus 330. (laughs) Of course. Of course it is. Perry Lewis saying Sam Hughes is better all around fighter here. No doubt. Absolutely. Stubber mix saying Eubanks underrated. I, I do believe she is, hence why everybody was like, "Why the fuck do you think that she's going to finish Elise Reed?" Because she is damn good when she's able to get the fight to the ground. Again, it's comparative. Comparatively, she was better than much better than Elise Reed that night. S K D saying MMA hour right into the other best MMA analyst in the game. Hey, appreciate it. Shout out to my guys Ariel and Connor as well. Yeah, stubborn mix saying can't imagine going minus one seventy on Reed. I agree. Uh. All right, let us keep this train moving along. Next up, we are looking at, uh, what do we got? Chase Hooper going up against Felipe Kolarish. In terms of odds, we got minus 180 on Kolarish, plus 155 on Chase Hooper. Remember when we got Alex Caceres as a dog to Chase Hooper? Remember when we got near even money on Steven Peterson against Chase Hooper? It's been a while, but I don't think we're ever going to see those days again. Chase Hooper is, you know, he's a, a super poor man's version of Ryan Hall. He's really good with his jujitsu, but, you know, there are guys who have mixed it up on the ground with him and have been fine. His striking game, non-existent. Now I'll give it to him. There was a bit of a improvement between his fight against uh alex Casares and his fight against stephen peterson he started to put punches behind his desperation takedowns that allowed him to get a couple takedowns but stephen peterson ever the veteran was able to stay safe on the ground managed to get back to his feet and then just pummel chase hooper on the feet now we're talking about chase hooper trying to avoid a three-fight losing streak actually sorry i lied he had the uh the peter barrett fight in between that and the peter barrett fight Just desperation takedown after desperation takedown. He was getting pummeled for the good majority of that fight. And then luckily for him, he was able to pull off the heel hook victory in that third round. So he's going to be looking to avoid his first ever two-fight losing streak in his career. And this is, you know, not a bad opponent for him to do it against. Philippe Kalarish, you know, saw I believe he's a black belt in Jiu Jitsu, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he has solid striking. He's a very scrappy fighter. He's been trading wins and losses in the UFC ever since he made his debut against Geraldo de Freitas back in February of 2019. He, he's picked up wins over Domingo Pilarte and Luke Sanders, but picked up loss or dropped losses to Montau Jackson and Chris Gutierrez, and then obviously Geraldo Freitas in his first ever UFC fight. But Kolaris should be able to stay safe should this fight hit the mat. Kolaris will likely be the better striker. Kolaris will put it on Chase Hooper. My concerns here lay with the fact that uh, Kolaris may overextend on a lot of strikes, which will allow Chase Hooper to either land takedowns or even get the back of Felipe Kolaris and just get a bunch of control time. That's why I'm not the highest on Felipe Kolaris in this spot. I was thinking as soon as this fight was announced that I was going to be laying the hammer down on Kolaris, but after running the tape, it's a little difficult to trust him to stick to a disciplined game plan, to stay out of trouble, and to not potentially give up you know, a, a round and a half just based on control time from Chase Hooper. That is a legitimate concern. In every other aspect in this fight, Felipe Kolaris mauls this guy, beats this guy. But Chase Hooper is very difficult to finish, as a lot of fighters have found over the last couple of fights, just because of his just his style, right? He's very slippery. He's very, you know, unorthodox. He doesn't really allow you to get clean shots off on him because he likes to roll for knee bars or he goes for desperation takedowns. Uh, even when he's on the ground, he does a good job in terms of staying active off his back, so you can't you know get a submission attempt going, or so you, that you can't posture up for any type of ground and pound. In that aspect he's difficult to put away and he can take a hellacious beating as well as we've seen in past fights and continue uh, on with his fight but another concern for me here is with klarish he tends to get a little bit sloppy as fights go on as well so who's not to say that if he gets a little too sloppy in the third round here that chase hooper doesn't finesse his way into a dominant position imagine just to you know get full mount or or get the back or something like that as much as we want to shit on Chase Hooper, the guy has some decent skills on the ground and he can take advantage of anybody that, you know, doesn't remain disciplined. And Clarish just seems too much of a wild man to me to trust him at a minus 180 price range against a guy that could, again, like he just needs to, if he gets a takedown or if he manages to get the back of Klarish, he could get tremendous amount of control time himself. So the spot that I'm actually looking at. So the, the pick, don't get me wrong, the the prediction is Klarish. I'm not betting him though. The spot that I'm looking at, though, is the over two and a half at minus 160. I do think that this will be a slippery fight on both sides. I think both guys will be very difficult to finish. And I think that we'll see, you know, the majority of this fight play out in the grappling position. And in that in that case, I think that neither guy will get finished. And I just think that we'll see, you know, maybe back and forth, but more so just control time from either guy. I lean more so on the Kolaris side. But, man, it's, it's tough to trust him at minus 180, even against a guy like Chase Hooper. And there is no way in hell you'll catch me trusting Chase Hooper with my money either. So, you know, the the fame and and the notoriety that Hooper has gotten strictly because he's a savage on the ground and he looks the way he does, it will only get him so far. And he's truly found that out in his first three UFC fights. Let's keep giving him guys like Peter Barrett. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the way he's gonna get a couple more dubs in the UFC. I don't think he gets uh, I don't think he gets Felipe Carlara Shard of there. So uh, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. Clark's Clark's decision. But I do like the over two and a half here. Robot chicken wings in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by. Nick Sisson, a name that I have not seen in the chat in a while. Appreciate you stopping by. Uh, hit that like button. Letting you guys know. Make sure you guys hit that like button. And let's keep this moving along. Frank Jodane in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by. Stubborn Mick saying, "Oof, I want nothing to do with this fight." Absolutely agree. The UFC has not done the best job setting up the young Hooper. I agree. Um, Fernbird MMA saying last time I disagreed with Locke this much, I had a terrible night of bets. It might be my turn to have a terrible night of bets, so let's we'll see what happens. There were only two fights into the card, my man. Are you telling me you already disagreed this much? Let's we'll see. Uh, Stubborn Mick right on the money here saying fight goes the distance. Uh, Perry Lewis saying chases a one trick pony. Tread Luddy Philippe could easily win on the feet. Yeah, it's a very weird fight, very, very weird fight. Fernbread saying any chance Clarence tries to grapple with Hooper to negate the reach? Maybe. And I don't think he's going to let that reach discourage him at all. What kind of striking does Chase Hooper have anyway? Now Chase has said this week that he's going to try something completely different and new and just go balls to the wall with his striking style this time. So interested to see what he's going to bring to the cage. But we got 10 other fights, folks. (laughs) We don't need to bet on this one. Mick saying if you bet over to an off and every fight would probably profit on this night. I absolutely agree. All right, let's keep the train moving along here. Next up, we got Jonathan Martinez going up against Vince Morales in a bantamweight fight in terms of odds. The obvious chalk that we're getting here on Jonathan Martinez at minus 220 plus 185, the return on Vince Morales. Now, let me just wet the whistle real quick, and we'll get back to the breakdowns here. All right. I love me some Jonathan Martinez in this spot. I don't know how else to start off this breakdown, right? Martinez is one of those guys that you can trust to go out there and just give us that that volume-based striking style, right? Uh, he does a good job in throwing combinations. He does good kicks. His distance management is pretty good as well. Um, and he does a good job in terms of stopping any type of grappling threat from his opponents should they take that uh, that approach. Now he has a couple of losses in the ufc the first one obviously being on short notice against andre Sukumtat, which you know really left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths but he's really transformed from that fighter that we saw in his first ever fight with the in the ufc uh his other loss was andre Ewell, split decision loss an egregious robbery there i don't like to call robbery too often but that was a robbery if i've ever seen one in my life and then obviously we saw his knockout loss to david grant in the third round and as we've been seeing it, just as we saw last week, man, Davy Grant can put your lights out pretty much in any position. So I'm going to chalk that up to variance, pretty much, right? And I saw a tweet from my guy Eric Wilson earlier this uh, today, and you know, nothing but love for my guy Eric Wilson. But he put out a tweet saying, you know, betting Jonathan Martinez at chalk is worse than betting Gina Mazani. And I'm thinking that my man bet the minus 300 on Davy Grant or against Davy Grant and just got, you know, got fucked. <laughs> But in reality, Jonathan Martinez is three and one in the UFC as a favorite, and Chita Mazzani is one and three as a favorite in the UFC. So to even compare the two is blasphemy, in my opinion. Vince Morales, you know, mid to lower average, you know, fighter, like not not that good of a fighter, in my opinion. His best traits, you know, he's a decent striker, but like more often than not, he's allowing his opponents to kind of dictate the pace against him. He slightly turned the corner in his last fight by knocking out Luis Smolka, Smolka Smolka's first ever knockout loss. So I'm going to lean on variance there as well. Uh, I was quite big on Smolka in that spot, you know, and now this is not me trying to get my money back from Vince Ross by taking Jonathan Martinez here. But I think Martinez uh, pretty much outclasses him everywhere. And to note, you know, he shares the uh, stable with the last guy to absolutely destroy Vince Morales uh, via leg kicks, Chris Gutierrez. They both train out of Factory X uh, Muay Thai. Uh, shout out to Mark Montoya, you know, fellow cast member of the uh, the Coach's Main Event Marathon. You know, I, I talked a little bit with him and, you know, he very much likes this uh Likes the stylistic matchup for Martinez. They already have the blueprint on Vince Morales, right? And that's not saying that Martinez is going to go out there and just blast leg kicks against Morales and try to replicate what Gutierrez did because they, even though they train at the same gym, they have a different striking style. Martinez likes to, you know, mix up the hands and use his kicking from range, whereas Gutierrez likes to, you know, really lean on that leg kick to open up the rest of his game. So I'm sure we'll see some kicks from the Martinez side to the legs. But I think the majority of his kicks that we normally see go to the body or go to the head. And I think if Vince Morales thinks that they're going to come in with the same game plan that Gutierrez had, they will be sorely mistaken. So I'm looking forward to the chess match here, which is, you know, Morales thinking that Martinez might come in with the same game plan as Gutierrez. And then Martinez will likely counter the counter game of Vince Morales. So unless Morales truly does have this crazy knockout power that is untapped, and now he's just finding out how to use it, I think Martinez just runs through him here, man. Martinez should just pick him apart, have a classic Jonathan Martinez fight. You know, the only way Morales wins this fight is if he knocks him out. And that's the best hedge, right? You take Morales by knockout, that's the only way he wins this fight. He's not winning minutes here. He's not out grappling Jonathan Martinez. He's not out striking Jonathan Martinez. So gimme martinez i'm eating the chalk on him i don't mind it at all i think he absolutely goes out there and just touches him up man vince morales uh, i think he gave us fool's gold last time around against louis mocha and i think most people looking to back morales once again this week will uh be eating crap they'll be eating crow as jonathan martinez goes out there and just has uh has his best uh one of his best performances that we've seen to date Phil Sire on the Martinez by decision. I like it as well. Uh, yeah, Martinez as great as he is with the striking, not much of a finisher. So uh, Martinez by decision would definitely be the way to go. Fernbird finally agreeing with me with uh, Jonathan Martinez. Mick saying Vince Morales has one thing going for him. This may not be quite as painful as Nathaniel Wood beating he evaded. There you go. Uh, MMA Bet saying Martinez Park home via decision parlay. Still have to get to those last two fights, but I don't see why not there. Perry Lewis saying Martinez precise strikes and case should break. Fins down methodically. Couldn't have said it better myself, my friend. That is exactly how I see it as well. Corey Yipol in the chat saying Ross just seems, to, seems too durable for Martinez. Again, he will likely take 100 plus strikes and lose a decision here. MMA bets saying Vince Morales coming out to Tech Nine clusterfuck this weekend. We'll see. I don't think that's going to hinder his performance at all. From Bird saying Martinez is precise with knees up the middle, too. Great timing. I like it. Corey Yipo saying, anybody that lost to Sukumta, you always go the other way. I'm cutting Martinez some slack, man. UFC jitters, UFC debut is what it is. FE saying, hate betting against the syndicated homies, but damn, tough fight for Martinez. Absolutely agree there. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We still got uh what is that? seven more fights to go. Next up we got Omar Morales going up against Uroš Medić. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 145 for Morales, plus 125 the return on Uroš Medić. Now, uh interesting fight here between two mainly strikers, but you guys know that I love uh you guys know that I love betting against uh Uroš done it twice i'm one and one thankfully both were at plus money so i'm slightly up on fading our guy Uroš Uroš manage so i faded him against alan cruz uh that didn't work out but in his next fight against Jalen turner worked out there and it's going to my my argument that Uroš manage is a is a glass cannon essentially the guy comes out like a banshee does a really good job in terms of asserting his dominance with the striking very heavy hitter but if he's not able to get you out of there early he's going to start to slow down his confidence is going to break and then you're going to be able to finish him now omar morales is not much of a finisher as you know he hasn't had one knockout finish in the ufc i believe his last uh finish was uh the contender series right before coming to the ufc since then he's been able to just pitch you know decision fights uh, but he did get finished in his last fight against uh, Jonathan Martinez, which was kind of surprising to me. Because until that point, you know, Omar Morales' cardio looked good, durability looked good, staying safe looked good, everything looked good about Morales. But something about Martinez, that, or sorry, uh, Pierce that night really put it on uh, Morales. And obviously, we saw him get hurt, uh, ended up getting uh, subbed there by Jonathan Mar- uh, Jonathan Pierce. I keep wanting to say Martinez. Um, well, Medic same thing here man he's got to get him out of there early or i think that slow kickboxing grinding style of morales is going to catch up to him and i think he eventually puts him out later in this fight um I, i'm surprised to see the money coming in on medic and i think it's people fading the age and also the fact that uh morales got finished in his last fight but like are we thinking that medic can finish him at a high clip as well i i just don't see it i think if you take if you're playing medic you, you take him inside the distance that's the best price tag and best juice you know or, or best um best squeeze you're going to get pretty much. Uh Medich by or, or sorry, Medic inside the distance is plus 215, much better than his plus 125 inside the distance line or, you know, decently better than his uh money line here, but I think that's really the only way he wins this fight. How is he winning a 15 minute fight against Omar Morales? Does he outstrike him for 15 minutes? I don't see that happening. I do think he has a cardio issue and I do think he has a confidence issue. So as he starts to eat kicks here for Morales and as he starts to you know, whiff on strikes against Morales and even if he keeps hitting Morales but Morales shows no signs of slowing down or getting hurt or getting damaged, I think Metis starts to slow down here and then Morales takes over and, and finishes him here. So the spot that I like the most is the under two and a half, which currently sits at minus 160. The only thing that's keeping me from making this a lock of the night play is I don't know the type of pace that Morales will look to push here. Like, is he going to be okay to go back to his kickboxing style of just going out there and fighting for 15 minutes? Because if he knows what's best, he can see that Medich is a guy that can be broken. So just take it easy in the first round, eat the strikes of Medich, try to counter effectively when you can, and then turn it up in that second round and try to look to get Medich out of there. So I'm happy that they opened up the uh, over-under here at 2.5 because I could absolutely see see a reasoning for them making it 1.5 given Medich's style. But the fact that they're making it 2.5 I gotta go with the under two and a half here i really like that spot i think morales is the one that ends up getting the victory here plus 225 for him to win by knockout sign me up um yeah i, I i'm i really think that medic is a fraud i think he's one of the the biggest glass cannons that we have in the ufc and uh, even though that uh, morales doesn't really have the age thing going for him in this spot i do think he's a much better fighter overall as long as his durability truly is not shot, you know, as long as that Jonathan Pierce fight is not a sign of things to come for his career, he should be able to handle Medic early here and then finish him in the second round. So give me Omar Morales and give me the under two and a half. Mushroom saying Morales third round decision. I don't even think it reaches the third round, honestly. Namin saying need Morales. I like it as well. Fernbird saying I like Morales' powerful kicks to win him this fight. Yep, I think he finishes him, man. Now I mean, saying fade Alaska MMA rules exactly. I, I totally forgot about the uh the not forgot about it, but it's in the back of my head. The uh, fade Alaska Alaska FC narrative. More than likely, you will be up big if you fade Alaska FC. Fe saying Medic round three might look like a zombie. Yeah, even Morales round three might be worth a stab, right? I'd be surprised if this hits round three, but if it does, you know, uh, what what's Morales round three right now? Morales round three is currently. Do, 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 do. Plus eight hundred. I always like four digits for that for that round three shot. Uh, but uh, yeah, given manager style, I, I do think he will fold here. Both want to be appreciate you stopping by, Tristan Surehouse. Appreciate you stopping by as well, Fernbird. Saying what did you think of Chukey being alive, betting my favorite mid round three last week. I thought she was up two nothing already. So. I was wrong, but I thought she was up 2-0 with uh, way more damage. Danny Legs already knows under 2.5, minus 160. Take that shit to the bank. Let's fucking go. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got my guy Parker Porter. For some reason, taking on the beast, Jilton Almeida. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 600 on Almeida and plus 450 on Parker Porter. You guys know me. I love me some Parker Porter, but I just don't know if I can do it here. Now, I did take Danilo Marquez against uh, Jilton Almeida last time around because I did think that uh, we could see that control time come back for Danilo Marquez just as he's been able to get in most of his uh, UFC wins. But Almeida shut that shit down almost immediately and absolutely pounded him out, got him out of there. But I do think that uh, Almeida, he's a big light heavyweight man. So he's going up to heavyweight for this fight. And from what I'm hearing, from the behind the scenes that I'm hearing, nobody wants to fight Jilton Almeida because it's a lose-lose situation for them, right? Similar to what Armen Sarukian was dealing with. Similar to what guys like even Joao Alvarez before the Armen Sarukian fight was dealing with. Um, guys don't want to fight unranked guys that are as good as Jilton Almeida. Because if they lose, they lost to an unranked guy. If they went, they beat an unranked guy. So it doesn't do much for them. Parker Porter's over here, like, hey, I'm on a winning streak. I'm willing to risk that, willing to take the hype away from Jilton Almeida. And I think it's it's it, it's just not gonna work out for him here. Now Parker Porter's one of those obese heavyweights, right? And and I mean obese with the with the most respectful of tone. Cause he's like, if he was truly in shape, he would probably be a middleweight. Let's be honest, right? The guy's thick, but he could easily, not easily, but like if he really dedicated himself to it, he would be a middleweight. So Geraldton Almeida will likely have him covered, you know, with with the range, with, with the size. And I think he can land takedowns here. And I think he can grind out, uh, not grind out, but I think he can get the takedown and really work um, Parker Porter into the ground here. So the under one and a half, Almeida round one, you know, I'm not betting it myself, but if I was to suggest any bet for this fight, it would likely be those two. Uh, Almeida round one currently sits at. Plus, it's even money now. Minus 110. Jesus. Uh, under one and a half, minus 150. Yeah. I, if you want to put your conspiracy theory hat on, uh, Parker Porter by decision plus 1,200. Maybe he stops the takedown. Maybe he stays on the feet. Maybe he touches up Almeida on the feet. But given how we've seen Parker Porter react to shots in the past, Notably, you know, from uh, Chris Dawkins earlier in the UFC career, not a good look. Now I get it. He's faced heavy punchers since then, right? Josh Parisian, Chase Sherman. But those guys lack the speed, power, and, and explosiveness that guys like Chris Daukus and Jilton Almeida possess. So yeah, he can take shots from Parisian and Hooper. I just don't think he's going to be able to take shots from Almeida here. uh lou betcha saying almeida by prison stuff minus 130 like it mushroom saying almeida inside the distance round one fight doesn't go to decision minus uh, one and a half all solid plays like that Fernbird giving us the giggle uh danny legs saying parker's about to become porky probably <laughs> alex genio saying my book went from minus 700 to almeida or almeida to minus 625 so parker getting a little love i saw that too i saw him at like minus 800 earlier this week but love coming in on porter again as one of the biggest Porter fans i don't really see it myself lou saying ultimate troll result would be Porker sub to make up for the bout don't even bring up that fight i can't believe that fight went to a decision uh effie saying i actually like the over am i crazy man i'd be surprised if almeida tries to grind this one over one and a half and if porter even survives that to be honest I believe my wife will be home in about five minutes or so. And Alfred is right beside me, so I don't want him to blow your ears off. So I'm going to quickly make sure that doesn't happen for you guys. There you guys go. Again, I I know you guys love Alfred. I know you guys love hearing him. But I know you don't want him to just abruptly in your ear as soon as the wife gets home. So let me make sure that doesn't happen for you guys. All right, uh, let's get back on track. So uh, Almeida, round one, KO, round one, whatever it is. Uh, I see actually somebody brought to my attention that his KO line is uh, plus, plus 350 and his submission line is minus 145. Weird to me that they actually believe that uh he'll likely go for a submission over over ground and pound. So I wouldn't mind a shot on the KO line here. I would not mind the shot on the KO line at all. Just for you uh small world lifters. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the next one. We got prelim headliner for some reason. They should have put Porter and Almeida as a prelim headliner. Hopefully, they shuffle it around because they got to give Almeida a little bit more of that shine, right? But for some reason... We got Joseph Ugly Man Holmes going up against Alan Amadovsky. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus one hundred and ninety on Holmes, plus one hundred and sixty the return on Alan Amadovsky. What a shit show of a fight, right? And who the hell is, who the hell is willing to go out there and lay minus one hundred and ninety on Joseph Holmes? Now he should be the favorite, right? Don't get me wrong, Amadovsky is complete ass. Like who? Uh, no, no, no. I, I don't even have to justify myself, other than the fact that. John Phillips' only UFC win is against Alan Amadowski. Need I say more? He gave him the only fight that John Phillips needed to get a UFC win, and that's to trade in the pocket in the opening seconds of a fight. Bang. Now, he's going to be dealing with a huge size disadvantage here, right? Joseph Holmes, let me get the exact uh numbers here. A five inch height advantage for Joseph Holmes, as well as a six inch reach advantage. He's going to be completely out, out, outsized here. I believe he's even going to be out-muscled in this spot. I think that this is a great fight for Joseph Holmes to go back to what made him successful on the regional scene, and that's you know just bullying guys, pushing them up against the cage, dragging them to the ground, and just finding a ground and pound or finding a submission of some sort. Alan Amodovsky, in my opinion, is a one hitter quarter kind of guy. He wants to find that big knockout shot if he's not able to. Likely, he gets grounded out. Who gets controlled for nine and a half minutes by Christoph Jotko? Jotko's a striker. I love Jotko. You guys know I love Jotko. Jotko was, if I'm not, no, he was close to being my lock-in-the-night play, but he was a pretty solid play for me last time around. Um, But I knew just because of his striking. But now here, man, Amadovsky, the only way this guy wins is by knockout. That's it. That's the only way he gets to win here. If Joseph Holmes slows down and Amadovsky is able to get that knockout later in this fight, it's absolutely a possibility. But I do think that Joseph Holmes will big big brother him pretty much here i think he's gonna grind him against the cage i think he's gonna drag him to the ground uh i think this fight does actually go over the one and a half round mark because i do think it's going to take a little bit for holmes to wear on amodovsky so that he can finish him later but with that comes with you know are we going to see a, a a better cardio version of joseph holmes because that's pretty much what failed him in the jamie pickett fight i think a big part of it, why he, that failed him in the jamie pickett fight is because he was dealing with another guy that was just as strong as him I don't think Amadovsky is going to be as strong as Holmes here, so we don't we won't see him have to deal with as much resistance, and that likely won't affect his cardio as much as it did in the Jamie Pickett fight. But good God, am I I am not trusting Joseph Holmes at all in this spot. Um, he should win this fight. He should win in probably second or third round. But man, I have no confidence in him, especially at minus one ninety. If he was the underdog here, I'd have a little bit more reasoning to, to bet him. But man, Amadovsky cannot be trusted, nor can Joseph Holmes. But for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to go Joseph Holmes, but I like the over one and a half the most in this spot. Looking forward to the comments for this one. Uh, from Brit saying Amadoski really sucks. MPTV saying Amidowski is too small. I agree. He should likely be a welterweight if, on, if I'm being honest. Mushroom saying 1-800-GAMBLER. Exactly. Diane Legg saying doesn't start around three, minus 150 is the spot here. I feel maybe. I I think that we'll see Holmes try to slow this fight down. Just grind him out, take him to the ground. Maybe take the Christoph Jotko uh, approach. Effie saying we should be getting paid to watch this fight. (laughs) Exactly. Small World saying some examples. Cater Ige, or sorry, Cater Chikaze, Yanez Grant. Sorry, I missed the uh small world lifters. I kind of feel like Martinez fade this week. Boxers do better than kickboxers and apex, tinfall hat three, but I think it's to do with the limited space. Maybe. We've seen Martinez, you know, limited space still still have success against other guys. And the uh yeah, I believe the Martinez grand fight was in Fight Island, which was the bigger cage as well. We'll see. Hype saying, uh, Holmes loves greasy fights. I agree. Danny saying, uh, Abadowski would have wrapped Yazong. Uh, RIP that fight twice. I guess we'll never see it. Small World saying, I uh, wonder about the improvements Abadowski has made at All-Stars in Sweden. I- I've been seeing he's been jumping from All-Stars to Extreme Couture as well. So, yeah, I don't really know what his home is and what... uh And what... um Who's actually going to be coaching him and cornering him here? Corey Yipo saying Holmes is nowhere near Jocko, though I got Amodovsky. I agree with that. I absolutely agree. But Jocko's not known to be a grappler. And he got 10 minutes of control time. Holmes, you know, more insistent to grapple, more insistent to drag guys to the floor. I could see him doing that. Okay, let's move on to the next fight here. We're looking at the main card kicking off now. Shout-out to the 70 live viewers that we currently have. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe. Show your boy a little bit of that love. Um, Yeah, that's all I really want to say. Let's move on to the main card here. Next up, we got a middleweight scrap between Eric Anders and Jun Young Park. In terms of odds, we're looking at chalk on the Korean fighter. Minus 205 for Park. Plus 175 the return on um, Eric Anders. Now, I even had... uh, I even had uh, Eric Anders' coach comment on my IG. Uh, Shout out to Eddie Shaw. He commented on my IG saying, lock of the night is Eric Anders plus 180 cash, that shit. I'm like, okay, we'll see. We'll see about that. But I got to say, I think the odds are a little bit too wide here, man. I I I like Park. I like his style. He's a great overall fighter, great pace. You know, does a good job in terms of mixing up his takedowns with his striking. He has a sneaky submission game as well. He has great cardio. And I think he can definitely put on Eric Anders here. But man, is Eric Anders one of the most inconsistent fighters in the UFC? Probably. Like we saw a great version of him ever since he, you know, lined up with a fight ready in his first fight against Darren Stewart. Unfortunately, to that fight making it a no contest. Then in the second fight, he goes out there and just gets a plethora of of control time against Darren Stewart against the cage and had a very very rough fight, just very sketchy sketchy fight, right? But he won it. He dominated that fight. Dominated. Right? There's no question that he won that decision. Uh, and then he gets finished by Andre Muniz and in his next fight. Now, here he is. Oh, Give me one sec. And there's your Alfred Bark for the day. I, try, I tried warning you guys. I tried warning you guys. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> the wife clearly didn't look at her text messages, but it's okay. It's okay. Hopefully I didn't hope you hurt your ears too much. All right, uh, maybe he's barking that uh, Eric Anders is going to win this fight as well, right? That always ends up happening. i am got to track that. Like, it doesn't happen often because I try to keep Alfred, you know, just try to keep him calm. But whenever there is somebody at the door, the doorbell rings and he barks. If it's during a specific matchup, maybe I should track how often he's right in terms of barking with that underdog. But we'll see with Eric Anders this week. I'm going uh Joon Young park here i do think he uh he grinds out eric Anders here likely not in the clinch but more so with his movement with the striking maybe changing levels uh looking for takedowns at times i do think he can find success there eric Anders will likely be the stronger fighter here right he, he's not the most talented fighter but he's one of the most physically gifted fighters in the ufc and i really look forward to seeing what fight ready continues to do with the guy but i just don't know how much more time he has to grow if I'm not mistaken, he's getting up there in age as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's 35 years old. Uh, he just turned 35 this year. Like, he's really getting up there. I'm, I'm, I'll am I'm. i be intrigued to see if they can truly make much improvement against him. And if they do, like, they'll show it in this fight. Park is a very tough out for anybody. So, um, yeah, I, I, I got to go with Park. Like, we've seen him against much bigger and stronger guys in the past and still have success, just like Tafan and Chukwi but uh yeah i think he's the better overall fighter here i think we'll better get a better game from him i'd be surprised if he gets hung up on the cage just like darren stewart did last time because that's the only way i really see eric anders winning this fight in terms of getting a knockout right i'd be surprised if we see park engage in a uh, uh exchanging fire in, the, in in the pocket like he did against gregory rodriguez so i'd be surprised the founders get a, gets a knockout in that, that realm i like park here uh, i like park but the chalk is just too much So what I wouldn't mind taking instead, if I was to give you guys the best bet for this fight, over two and a half, a little bit chalky at minus 200. Pretty much the same as playing Junior Park money line. But the way I see both of these guys winning would have to happen over two and a half rounds. So at least that covers both outcomes in terms of those guys getting the dub. So uh, official prediction, Park by decision. Fight goes to decision minus 200. I don't mind that either um let's see my guy MMA locker room in the chat do you have a question you want me to ask Anderson tonight on my oh you're interviewing uh Anders tonight I don't <laughs> I don't I heard his uh media day interview today but good luck solid interview uh true true shot saying fight doesn't go to decision oh you're talking about Amidowski yeah we're on the Anders fight now From I think uh, Anders' athleticism has taken him as far as he's going to go in the UFC. Exactly. And talk about the worst handling of Eric Anders' career, right? Two wins in the UFC to start off his career. And then in his third fight, gets a main event slot against Lyoto Machida in Brazil. What do you do in UFC? (laughs) What the fuck? And although he was the favorite in that spot, but talk about being thrown into an uncomfortable environment in your third fight in the UFC against a legend like Lyoto Machida. Good God. That was horrible. My guy, Rexley, in the chat, cheering on his Korean brethren. Fernbird saying, you know, Alfred doing his thing. A. Loomis, uh, yeah, sometimes Anders looks great, and others, he looks like he's just muscling his way through, but I like you as well. I agree. MPTV saying, Alfred's uh, bark wasn't bad at all. Good dog. Exactly. <laughs> we got to... Uh, I'll, I'll, gi- I'll give it to... Uh, the sly tendencies guy that's a, that's a fun troll I'll give him a fun troll <laughs> and Danny Legs I'm glad that I, I stalled in terms of reading that Before I saw it uh, From Bird MMA saying Andrews also came in against Santos last minute Yeah, well Santos came in last minute as well Because I think it was like Glover versus Manua And then it was Glover versus Santos And then it was Santos versus uh, Andrews So there you go all right, let's move on to the next fight. Here we're looking at Poliana Vienna going up against Tabitha Ricci. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 125 for Tabitha Ricci, plus 105 the return on Poliana Vienna. Now Tabitha Ricci was roughly around minus 130, minus 135. I even saw minus 140 earlier this week, but seems like love coming in on Poliana Vienna as this fight or as fight week starts to go on. And I, I don't really understand it, right? I I, I don't get it. Like Pugliana Vienna, mainly, you know, solid BJJ player. We see her pull off the arm bar or the submission in her last two fights, but that's pretty much how she wins, right? We saw JJ Aldrich take her for 15 minutes, even mix it up in the guard with her sometimes and stay safe enough. Tabitha Ricci is a solid black belt in her own right, and I feel like she will stay safe should this fight hit the mat. Then on the feet, you know, Pugliana Vienna, she has nice crisp shots down the middle, but, like, she looks uncomfortable with her striking, and it just seems like she's just trying to dish out violence. So I think that the movement, maybe a little bit of the footwork of Tabitha Ricci will allow her to get away from those big shots of Poliana Vienna, maybe have better success with their striking. But I think eventually and inevitably this fight will hit the mat. And once it hits the mat, that's where we're going to see the jujitsu of both of these women tested. And I think that the fact that Vienna is just a little bit too content playing off of her back is going to cost her in this fight. I think Ricci will stay comfortable and safe enough in that guard, you know, landing shots from on top and just grinding her out from on top uh, to, to win this fight. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not the most enthused in playing her, though. Um, the, the spot that I don't mind is the over two and a half. I believe that's also around minus 160. Yeah, that's minus 160. I see this being pretty much a jujitsu match, but both girls are good enough with their submission defense that neither of them will likely get tapped here. Um, usually with vienna i like violence but i just think that ricci plays it safe enough that she will be able to you know stay out of submissions i don't think she'll overextend too much in terms of giving up a submission herself or even looking for a submission which is why i think she'll grant this fight are unlikely go the full 15 minutes um yeah i don't know what more what more to say about this fight both girls black belts in jujitsu vienna a little bit you know a little iffy on the feet the Ricci still trying to bring her a whole game together, but I do think that both women want this fight on the ground. I think Ricci will be willing to engage in the grappling and then I think this we see them play out on the ground with Ricci on top for the majority of it and Vienna, you know, throwing up submissions unsuccessfully and Ricci getting out of them landing a couple big shots and then just settling on top. So give me Ricci, Ricci by decision over one and a half, or sorry over two and a half. I don't mind either. Um Joseph McBride saying, I read it like five times still to, there you go. <laughs> um, Mushroom saying, Richie, third round decision, don't mind that. Justin Villegas on Pereira. Uh Danny saying, Richie open out as a minus 200 favorite on Beth Online. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, a, a lot of money coming in on it. Dimitri saying, Vienna is a simpat shades of every single Dern fight. I could see that too mptv saying no disrespect to veronica Macedo, but the fact that Poliana was finished by her makes me skeptical i take richie yeah i like richie as well boone going with over two and a half i'm right there as well perry lewis saying richie pace and better skills set gonna be too much here i agree Uh, um mptv saying i think Poliana is a brown belt not that it makes a difference i think she's a black belt like i remember when she came to the ufc she was just highly acclaimed jiu-jitsu champion in brazil and all that And I was happy to take the underdog money on J.J. Aldrich that night. Paid off that night. From saying, for the record, I've agreed with all your picks after the first two. Uh, See, eventually we're going to line up. All right. Let's move on to the next fight here. We got three fights left. Next up is Chidi Enjokawani going up against Dusko Todorovic. Minus 230 on Chidi Enjokawani. Plus 195 the return on Dusko Todorovic. Man, I think this is a prime case of crazy recency bias, right? If I'm not mistaken, Chidi Anjagawani was a slight underdog in his fight against Marc-Andre Barrio. Goes out there, starches him in, what, six, seven, eight seconds, I think it was, maybe 13 seconds. Very quick fight. Now here he is as a massive favorite against a guy that used to be a pretty chalky favorite in his own right, Indusko Todorovic. But as Todorovic has taken a couple losses inside the UFC, people are starting to hop off his train and start to hop on the new thing, which is Chidi Anjagawani. But... Let's not forget, Andrew Kwani is a 33-year-old veteran who's, you know, maybe in the best form of his career at this point, but isn't getting any better. So what can we really take from a 13-second knockout in his fight against Marc-Andre Barrio? Sure, he has power. Sure, he'll be the better technical striker here. And sure, the striking defensive deficiencies of Dusko Todorovic are making me hesitant in terms of betting Dusko Todorovic in this spot. But you're getting close to plus 200 here. On a fighter that will likely look better than plus 200 and the one part of this fight that i think will be very important is dusko Todorovich's clinch game we've seen him successful on the contender series even earlier in his ufc career or sorry even in his professional career where he's able to push guys up against the cage overpower them there get you know dirty boxing off dirty clinch work off knees in the clinch all that type of stuff he's very strong in that position he tried doing it against gregory Rodriguez, Rodriguez. You know, too much, uh, too strong in that position, had some very sneaky trips and some good takedowns from that position that really stifled the game of Dushko that night. But that's where Chidi is uncomfortable in my position, or in my opinion. That's why I had a small bet on Mark Andre Barrio in that fight, because more often than not, when you see Chidi losing fights, he's being pushed back, uh, he's being pressured. He- seems to love the cage because that's where he seems to have his back pretty much every single time and that's where i think that we're going to see uh dusko to look to put look to put him because if he's if he wants to go out there and get a dub that's the way he's got to do it he's got to push Chitty up against the cage and in the clinch you think Chitty is the better fighter but after watching the tape man dusko does much better work there with his control and with his damage so i i lean dusko here as a dog like i really do but it's just the the the, the striking deficiencies that worry me right it's not you know it's it's not gonna take him too far in the ufc to just mainly lean on leaning backwards with his chin uh to to get out of the way of punches especially when you got a guy like uh chidi and who's as rangy as him too let me just quickly get the numbers here for you guys so chidi and six foot three 80 inch reach dusko todorovic Six foot 1 74 74-inch reach. So we're talking about a 6-inch reach advantage for Chidi Enjikwani. So he will find that chin of Dushko. It's will he find it clean enough to put him out? It's a possibility. But I would much rather pay plus 125 on Enjikwani by knockout by minus 230 on Enjikwani because I think Dushko will do a much better overall game plan here to win this fight via decision, like I said, with clinch work, possibly even with takedowns. He could possibly ragdoll him on the ground as well. So, mad disrespect on Dusko Todorovic here. If the line continues to widen, uh, I might be forced to make a bet, but it's just the striking defense that has me a little bit iffy about what we're going to be seeing from Dusko here. So, uh, yeah, Dusko Dusko by decision. I'm not a Chidi Anzakwani believer, and I think you'd be mad to be playing him at minus 230 here. Playing him by knockout, that's a smart choice in my opinion. Jared Curry saying I like the favor here a bit, but I'm worried Chitty takes a shit. I agree. Again, if he doesn't get the knockout, he's gonna get grinded out. Friendbird saying Dusko relies on doing punches by millimeters in order to counter. I won't ever bet him. Or dodging punches by millimeters. That's my concern. But if he initiates the clinch like he tends to do, he will find success there and he will ground out, ground out uh Chitty. Um Skrillas and uh, Dushko gets hit too often. Can't take those shots from Chidi uh, again. Chidi obviously coming off that big knockout victory. Okay, I get it. I get it. Let's see other other wins that he has. Um, he's finished. Sorry, he's finished uh, Mario Sousa on the ground. He finished a fifteen and ten. Christian Torres with knees. Uh, lost to John Salter, lost to Rafael Carvalho, lost to Andre Kreshkov. all those where he's being grounded. Jushko could absolutely ground him here. Hisaki Kato, also a kickboxer. He beat, won that 5B decision. Didn't knock out the 2017 version of Melvin Gillard. Knocked out Andre Fialo in 21 seconds. Like I, I think his knockout power is being slightly overrated because of that quick knockout victory over Barrio, which was actually 16 seconds. But again, the striking defense of uh, Dusko Todorovic leads you to believe that Chidi could find that chin again. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'm going to go with Todorovic here, uh, Todorovic via decision. And Fernbird saying Dusko on DraftKings. He will likely be low owned and uh, he could get a bunch of control time here, which will likely help his course. So I don't mind that from a DraftKings perspective either. All right, let's move on to the co-main event here. Well to fight Santiago Panzanibio going up against Michelle Pereira. In terms of odds, we got minus 125 on Pereira and plus 105 on Santiago Panzanibio. Calling me surprised to see Ponzinibbio as the underdog here, but uh, the Pereira train continues to move on. The guy continues to show improvements in his game. Uh, one thing that he didn't really like to do earlier in his career, but now what he's doing is, as fights start to go later into the into the minutes and rounds, he doesn't mind engaging in the in the grappling and taking fighters to the ground. He was just so, you know, um, so happy with his flying techniques and his unorthodox striking style earlier in his UFC career or earlier in his professional career. Which is why he wasn't like this crazy, you know, crazy fighter that a lot of people were taking Norris earlier in his career. But as he started to string it together a couple wins, he started to get on the UFC's radar, eventually got on the UFC's radar. But Ponzinibbio is going to be the best fighter he's ever fought. Hands down. Nibio is a much better technical striker. Ponz has got to be the side here, right? Unless Pereira catches a crazy knockout, Ponzinibbio will like light him up with with output, leg kicks, volume. Where does he have? Where does Pereira have Ponzinibbio beat? I don't see it. Um. Yeah, like I'm kind of mystified at this line. I I don't understand why Pereira is the favorite here. You know, Ponzinibbio had that one slip up against Li Liang in his return after dealing with some crazy disease or something or infection. Um, he had to slip up against Li Jingliang. Very close fight against Jeff Neal. You know, he lost that via split decision. But, you know, even Jeff Neal I'd take against Michel Pereira. So I feel like Pans Nebio has got to be the side here, man. I think he he will really touch up Michelle uh, Michel Pereira here. Really uh, beat up the legs as well, in my opinion, which will slow down Pereira. Um, and I think that Pereira... He showed cardio issues in his early fight against Tristan Conley because of one, bad weight cut, and two, just being a dumbass in the cage, throwing flank shit pretty much every single time. And he's really disciplined himself now but he's managed to bail himself out of bad spots by landing takedowns later in fights, which why he was, which is why he was able to stay out of trouble against guys like Chaos Williams and Nico Price. But I don't think he's going to have that success here against Ponsonibbio. I think Pons solid gas tank from minute one to minute 15, and he's going to stay on that uh, that output pretty much the entire time as well. This is mad disrespect. Mad disrespect on Ponsonibbio on my side. I'm seeing my guy Kung Dao Chicken saying Ponsonibbio is getting too old now. He's 35. You know, he's 35. I believe, uh, what's Pereira? Pereira's like in his 30s as well. well he's 28. Wow. Well, he's a little bit younger than I thought. But I think that as long as Ponce Nibio's chin isn't completely gone, he should be able to out outpoint uh, Pereira in the spot. Uh, I think a good hedge would be Pereira by knockout, which currently sits at plus 300. But I think overall, Ponce Nibio touches him up, man. I'd be surprised if Pereira wins this fight. Pereira might be the slightly faster fighter as well which might have an impact earlier in this fight. But as it starts to drag on, I think we see pawns start to pull away more and more. So, uh, yeah. I'm going pawns. No official bet on him as of yet, but uh, it, it doesn't seem like the you know much love coming in on pawns yet. So if this line continues the way that it is, I might, I might be forced to take uh, pawns in the spot. Fernbird saying fight of the night. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Mushroom like in Predator decision. Fight goes to decision over two and a half. Not bad. Draw is not a bad look either. Draw is not a bad look. Uh, Predator has to pause. (laughs) Mahler saying Chidi probably will be 40% owned. Possibly. Yeah. People are expecting another quick knockout for him. So fading that wouldn't be a bad idea. Justin's saying, uh Zip, Mo, Chin, Saturday, and it's going to get filled. We'll see. Danny Legs saying, call me crazy. Yes, point deduction plus 2,000. Leg kicks plenty from both sides with two guys with a ton of movement. Pons, eye pokes are a hell of life. I could see it. I could see it. I could see the draw as well, as a lot of people are saying, right? Um, Danny's saying, Pereira is notorious for limiting volume. We'll see. Oh, uh, Kung Dao Chicken St. Pons is not the same fighter as before his long layoffs. Should have been able to beat Neil and Leach easily. I disagree about the Neil fight. Neil is tough, man. I th- it's funny how people start to jump off the Jeff Neal train after he lost as a favorite to Wonderboy Thompson. Like, are we that quick to forget how good Jeff Neal actually is? That's not a bad loss. The Leach one, he should have won that fight. But again, MMA variants getting knocked out especially after coming back after that long layoff. I'm going to chalk it up to, to, you know, the layoff there. All right, we'll see. Seems like there's a lot more love on Pereira than I expected in the chat here, but uh, I'm going on the pond side. All right, main event time. Once again, shout out to all the live viewers that we currently have. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe before you guys uh, get out of here. Would truly appreciate that support. That's all I need from you guys. Hit that like and subscribe. All right, main event time. Holly Holm, minus 250. Ketlin Vieira, plus 210. Oh, man. 40-year-old Ketlin Vieira. I want to shout out my guy. I think it was AMG uh, Warrior Bet who said, uh, who's betting a 40-year-old bantamweight in 2022? I'm not betting her money line, but I am betting her decision. (laughs) This is a perfect spot where where Holly Holm can do what Holly Holm does best. She sticks and moves moves as as best as any women's fighter. We saw that on complete display in her last fight against Irene Aldana where she was pretty much on her bicycle the entire time but knew when and how often to close the distance to land her strikes. Irene Aldana is a better striker than Ketlin Vieira, right? In my opinion. We saw it, obviously, when they they fought each other with Aldana knocking her out. But where Ketlin thrives is when opponents are able to or, or willing to strike with her and trade with her in the pocket. That's why Misha Tate kept getting busted up as much as she did. That's why other fighters, Ubanks, you know, get busted up as much as they did. Holly Holm's not going to trade in the pocket that much, right? She's going to get her one-two off. She's going to get out of the pocket. She might even mix in some takedowns here, which I'm not counting out at all. That's a evolution of her game we've been seeing in her last couple of fights, is she doesn't mind mixing it up in the clinch. She doesn't mind dragging fights to the ground. And that's where I think she'll have success here against Vieta. Vieta needs a, a slower fighter. Vieta needs a fighter that's willing to exchange in that pocket. That's not Holly Holm. Holly Holm knows she's getting up there in age, knows her durability is slowly going to you know start to fall off. But that's the only way I see Vieta winning this fight is if she catches Holly Holm with something. There's no way she beats her over 25 minutes. Holly Holm is one of, probably one of the best 25-minute women's MMA fighters of all time because she does a good job with her output, with her movement, and uh, and now in this phase of her career, mixing in takedowns and having good uh, control time. And let's be honest, she's probably one of the best in terms of getting away from USADA as well, because she has one of the best doctors in the game. We know she's on something, but she's passed every single test that USADA has thrown at her. Credit to her. And that is in part as to why she has as much longevity in the game as she does. She's on the good shit, and it shows time and time again. She's one of the best fighters in the game, uh, you know, overall. And I think that this is a perfect spot for her to go out there and just do what she does best. Stick and move. Don't stick around in the pocket too long. Maybe mix in a couple takedowns. Ketlin Vera is going to be firing at a lot of air come this weekend. So uh yeah, I, I like Holly Holm. Holly Holm by decision is probably the best way to go about it. That's roughly around minus 110 at this time. That's pretty much betting her money line, right? She doesn't finish that often. There is a possibility that she might land a crazy high kick after Vieira gets a little bit too you know, frustrated. So home plus four fifty via knockout, not too bad. But uh, I do think for the most part that uh, we see Holly Home just just touch Katlenvier up over twenty five minutes, very easy. I'm not I'm not big on Vieta at all. Good that she got that win over Misha Tate, but I think she's going to struggle here against a much better, much more elusive Holly Home. Hence why the title. Which is something new I'm going to start doing for these shows is giving a catchy title for every podcast episode. This one, I believe I put a Holly home uh, handing out a vet lesson this weekend. That's exactly what's going to happen. All right, let's see what these last couple questions saying. Jaden saying his main event fight goes to the decision a lock. I wouldn't call it a lock, but I do think it goes to a decision. It's sitting at minus 230, minus 225. I don't mind that. Um, Kung Dao Chicken saying Holly Holm had a serious medical condition for two years. Kidneys plus ring rust, pretty, pretty chalky. Again, I, I just don't think that Catlin uh, Vera is that good. And th- the fight that she needs to win, Holly Holm's not going to give it to her. Southpaw saying, I feel that uh, Holly Holm could have beat her earlier. Four-year-old, smaller cage. Holm early faces grapplers. Catelyn for the W. Ooh, Catlin's not this crazy grappler either, though. French Jordan saying holly's gonna light her up i agree justin Villagas saying oh i'm gonna go all waterboy on viera Vera gonna look like captain Senna from the cross cage <laughs> her kidneys were fucked up probably from the roids probably sure Sh- shark's saying she's 100 on steroids absolutely uh saying people are huge on misha dominating vera before the fight too yep they were i did pick tate to win that fight but i i don't think i had a bet on her if i'm mistaken uh, Trook decision queen, Holman decision bum. Her decisions are ugly. Still wins. Mushroom Papa Chicken sing. He said head kick. It could happen. Were you guys talking about uh, head kicks earlier? Did I miss something? Firm Bird, Holly, in 25 minute fight is the proper favorite. Can't argue that. Agreed. MPTV, congrats on the Chook win. I bet you were nervous waiting for Bruce to announce the winner. I was a little bit. You know, I thought they would uh maybe score the control a little bit for Ricky Boss, but clearly the damage was on the other side. Uh Papa Chuck saying, I did. I think she is going to frustrate her over the rounds and get that head kick. It could, right? It, it could happen. Home win over two and a half, minus one seventy five. I like that. All right. That is a wrap on the breakdowns. Appreciate you guys checking out the show as always. I'll be going live once again in about 40 minutes with my guy Clint from Die Hard MMA Podcast. We're going to be doing our Deadlock podcast, so make sure you guys check that out. I might have the link in the description below. Otherwise, uh just search Deadlock podcast and you'll see our faces there. Uh, There might be a pro wrestling podcast you see as well with the same name, but make sure you guys seek us out. We'll be going live at 7.30 to give our uh, fans perspective on some of the hottest topics in the MMA news sphere, Uh, so make sure you guys join us in 40 minutes or so. Um, I will be back tomorrow, obviously, with uh, propping you up with Cody 3 p.m. Eastern on the All-Star. So make sure you guys go check that on their YouTube channel uh, where me and Cody go over the card from a props perspective. And then on Friday, I have a special guest coming on with me for the Ultimate Wayne Show at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Plenty of content to wrap up this seven-consecutive week run that the UFC is on. Uh, One weekend off for us, but then we're back at it for June 4th weekend, uh, Volkov versus Rosenstrike. But that is a week where you guys will get probably just the law cast for me because uh it is my wedding week that week so uh me i'm technically officially already married but with obviously uh COVID and all that shit that happened we were forced to push our wedding festivities back but we're going to be doing it the first week of june so i won't be doing any streams on the first week of june but i will be sure to get out a law cast episode for you guys that week to at least give you guys some uh love there but uh yeah No propping you up that week. I'll see if Cody will do it either on his own or with a replacement for that one week. No Ultimate Wayne show. No Fight Day live chat. None of that shit. Just a lock cast for the Volkov and Rosa strike card. Because your boy is going to get fucked up all week. Enjoy time with the fam. Enjoy time with the in-laws. Enjoy time with my cousins. All that type of stuff. You know how it is with weddings. Especially Indian weddings. We go crazy. All right. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Good luck on your bets this week. I'll see you guys in 40 minutes. Hopefully, you guys will come over and uh, watch the uh, the, the Deadlock podcast with me and Clint. We always have a ton of fun on there. Hope to see you guys over there. Otherwise, good luck on your bets, and uh, I'll see you guys throughout the week. Peace out.